Hello, we are on May 10th, 2023, and our podcast today is going to be talking about the 1933 uh, bill that, or the executive order that got passed that I keep mentioning is what took us off the gold standard. And I wanted to actually go read through this and see exactly what it's saying instead of just assuming that what everybody is saying is correct. And so we're going to read through. It's pretty short. Uh, now, this this order actually has a couple other things in it. We're only focusing on the, the gold part of it. So just be aware that there are it's about a three page document. And we're only reading four or five paragraphs. So it says resolved by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled that a every provision contained in or made with respect to any obligation which purports to give the obligee a right to require payment in gold or a particular kind of coin or currency or in an amount in money of the United States measured thereby is declared to be against public policy. Now, what exactly is that saying? Um, the so essentially what it's saying is that the at this point in time before they passed this, everybody was required to pay their debt in gold and silver coins. There they were minted coins that the United States government created. Um, what this is doing is it's saying that doing so is actually against public policy. So they're, they've now made it illegal for you to m demand payment in those currencies. And it says, it goes on to say, and no such provision shall be contained in or made with respect to any obligation hereafter incurred. So before this, all debts were supposed to be paid in gold and silver. After this, it's saying no such provision shall be contained in or made with respect to any obligation hereafter incurred. So anything that happens after this bill is passed cannot have language in it that says that you have to pay in gold and silver. It goes on to say every obligation heretofore or hereafter incurred, whether or not any such provision is contained therein or made with respect thereto shall be discharged upon payment dollar for dollar in any coin or currency, which at the time of payment is legal tender for public and private debts. Again, it's this stuff makes your head hurt reading it. Um, the so essentially what it's saying is any obligation that existed before or after this particular bill happened or this didn't even a bill. It's an executive order, which I don't I really don't understand how they create executive orders with laws in them like this. It seems illegal, but the, it's essentially saying that anything that happened before or after um, your a payment can be made in any coin or currency, um, dollar for dollar for whatever, you know, whatever the obligation was. So, um, let's see, discharged upon payment dollar for dollar in any coin or currency time of payment, legal tender, public and private debts, any such provision contained in any law authorizing obligations to be issued by or under authority of the United States is hereby repealed. So essentially they've, they're saying any law that we passed in the past that 
said that you had to pay in gold and silver, we're repealing that aspect of that law, whatever it was. And it says, but the repeal of any such provision shall not invalidate any other provision or authority contained in the law. So they're saying we're going to repeal the section that said you had to pay in gold and silver, but the law still is there the way it was. Paragraph B. As used in this resolution, the term obligation, and this is something that is just, this makes your head hurt, but this is the people that, coming from the people that we think are so intelligent and capable of running the world. It says, as used in this resolution, the term obligation means an obligation. That is so helpful. I I can't stress the capabilities of these people to define words. The term obligation means an obligation. And then in parentheses, it says, including every obligation of the United States, accepting currency. And then it says, payable in money of the United States. And the term coin or currency means coin or currency of the United States, including Federal Reserve notes. This is where they added in the the ability to pay debts with Federal Reserve notes and circulating notes of Federal Reserve banks and national banking associations. So they're essentially... took us off the gold standard at this point and they have now made it legal and and only capable of making these payments in federal reserve notes it goes on to say section two the last sentence of paragraph one of subsection b which is what we just read of section 43 of the act entitled an act to relieve the existing national economic emergency by increasing agriculture purchasing agricultural person purchasing power to raise revenue for extraordinary expenses incurred by reason of cultural indebtedness to provide for the orderly liquidation of joint stock land banks and for other purposes and is approved may 12th 1933 is amended to read as follows so they're so they had this bill and they're pretending that the reason that they're doing this is to try to relieve public debt uh, related to agriculture Um, and it says all coins and currencies of the united states including federal reserve notes and circulating notes of federal reserve banks and national banking associations heretofore or hereafter coined or issued shall be legal tender for all debts public and private uh, public and private below the standard weight and limit of tolerance provided by law um, and it and it goes on to say here for the single piece shall be legal tender only at value, valuation in their weight so essentially what they did is they said you know you could still pay your debts in gold coins but they're no longer going to be at face value they're they're going to be based on the weight of the coin not at what it says that it was actually worth at least that's the way i'm reading this again the you know the government has the ability if nothing else to complicate simple things um but that's the way i'm reading it is that it it essentially made it where we have to pay in federal reserve notes and they're they're you know the gold if you're going to pay it is going to be on weight and not on the face value which i mean at this point you would want it that way anyway because one dollar isn't worth any gold um so in fact i think as, as we speak a 50 dollar gold piece is selling for about 2300 dollars. so that that that'll let you know something about inflation um there was something else here let me see um reserve notes and circulating notes and i don't know here to the coin 
legal general nets, public charges, tax and duties. Maybe I was reading something else. I was thinking about um, that it said something about discharging debt, but I think that's actually a different document that I was reading. So when when people say something about this particular aspect of uh, 1933 and when they took us off the gold standard, this is what they're referencing is the fact that they made it illegal to pay or to demand payment in gold and instead switched it over to Federal Reserve notes, which, again, is not money because it's an IOU. And since we don't make money, it'd be pretty impossible to make income. So that's something else to keep in mind. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, there's two subjects in this podcast this is the one. The other thing I want to talk to you about is citizenship. Um, I have been looking into the sovereign citizens, as uh, some of you know, um, and there's a lot of things that they claim that are just really out there. And one of the things that they constantly are pointing to is the fact that if you're born in the state, then you have certain privileges. You're, you're essentially con- considered a sovereign and your citizenship is different than that of a United States citizen. So what I did is the, the Constitution of the United States doesn't get into this at all because the 14th Amendment is the only thing that talks about the, the citizenship thing w- as far as being born. And it actually says if you were born in the United States, then you're a, mem- you're a citizen of the United States. We also like to say that the United States, and it is, the United States is actually a corporation in the District of Columbia. However, it gets a little bit more difficult to have these conversations because there are aspects of this that uh, get a little confusing. So the first thing I want to look at is right here. This is uh, the code 1401. It's 8 U.S. Code 1401 Nationals and Citizens of the United States at Birth. Now, the 14th Amendment, as I talked about yesterday, it doesn't it 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 is if you're going to take the definition that the United States is actually the district of Columbia, then it would mean that you would have to live or you'd have to be born in something that the federal government owns in order for you to automatically take up citizenship. At the moment, I'm, I'm kind of still sticking to that because I, I'm, you know, that just is the way it reads, but this code section kind of throws a little bit of confusion in. So, Essentially, what it looks like is the constitutional amendment that got passed didn't have a whole lot of information in it. It wasn't very detailed. And so then they go on to pass legislation that more specifies exactly what what it is that makes a makes you a citizen. And by looking at this code section, it says the following shall be nationals and citizens of the United States at birth. Now, this nationals is uh if you click on it let me see if i so if you click on nationals and we take a look at it it says the term national means a person owing permanent allegiance to a state now again the united states is a state in our union so is it talking about the united states allegiance or is it talking about the state that you're actually born in because it is not very specific at all But it says a person born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Well, 
this is the question right here. Are we talking about the District of Columbia or are we talking about the 50 states? Now, if you come up here and look at the definition that they've referenced, it says the term United States, except as otherwise specifically herein provided, when used in a geographical sense, means the continental United States, Alaska, Puerto Rico, and all the other stuff. Now, this is, again, not a very good definition of what the United States means because they, they preface this when used in a geographical sense. Well, when I'm looking at the actual legislation here, what sense are you using? Are you saying in a geographical sense here or are you saying the United States Corporation? It, it doesn't specify and therefore I don't know how to read this. Um, but it does say a person born in the United States. And if it's talking about the jurisdiction of the whole country, then that means that if you're born anywhere in any of the country, in any of the states, then you're automatically a U.S. citizen. Now, the next thing I want to do, if I can find it here, let's get this thing to come up here. And I am looking for Georgia Constitution. So I, I live in Georgia. And so what I did is I came over to our Constitution to take a look at what exactly it was, what it was specifying. And because, again, the Constitution of the United States is different than the constitution of the several states because each state has its own constitution and its own bill of rights. And I wanted to go through the Georgia constitution real quick so you can kind of see how this works because it is, they're not the same thing. And every state is completely different. So in Georgia, we have a 76-page document that is our bill of rights and our constitution. If you compare that to the constitution of the United States, it's pretty big. The Constitution of the United States is pretty small, so they're definitely completely different. But I want to point out here the per, to perpetuate or to perpetuate the principles of free government, ensure justice to all, preserve peace, promote the interest and happiness of the citizens of the family, and transmit to posterity the enjoyment of liberty. We, the people of Georgia, relying upon the protection and guidance of Almighty God, do ordain and establish this Constitution. It goes on to say, let me just do this. So it goes on to say, this is paragraph seven. It says, citizens protection of all citizens of, of the United States resident in this state are hereby declared citizens of the state. Now, there are places down in the constitution for Georgia where it mentions a natural or a naturalized citizen, but it doesn't actually specify what it means by natural and naturalized. So you would assume that a natural citizen would be one that was born in the state of Georgia, but it doesn't specify that. So then the question remains, what exactly is it saying? Am I, am I truly a citizen of the state of Georgia? And the word sovereign isn't used anywhere in the Constitution. It's also worth mentioning that every state can amend its constitution individually with its, with its uh, Congress. So 
it's not like the the federal government's constitution that requires all the states to get together and all you know three quarters of them approve whatever it is that they're trying to put in the amendment for the federal government this is something that the state can do at any time and georgia just this state alone has completely rewritten its constitution 10 times so we're not even talking about constitutional amendments we're talking about throw the old one out and let's create a whole new constitution so it it's a little interesting to start thinking about the fact that we uh, have constitutions in each uh, area. And I also wanted to look at something else here. So if you look in the Constitution of the United States, there are protections in there for your Bill of Rights. But when you go in here and look at the protections given in the state of Georgia, they're actually different constitutional amendments. They're not those same amendments that we have. So here is life, liberty, and property. It says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property except by due process of law. But it doesn't actually tell you what the heck due process of law is. It just says that except by it. Um, and then if you look down here, uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, so right. That was the, the one that we actually, and I didn't actually finish reading this because it actually gets a little bit more confusing. Let me, let me read this citizens protection of again. Um, it says all citizens of the United States resident in this state are hereby declared citizens of this state. And it shall be the duty of the general assembly to enact such laws as, as will protect them in the full enjoyment of their, of the rights, privileges and immunities due to such citizenship. So again, no mention of a state sovereign or a simply a state citizen. It's only a, a United States. And I would even argue that in this definition, if I'm not a citizen of the United States, even if I reside in the state of Georgia, I am not declared a citizen of this state. So those that are thinking about you know rejecting your citizenship of the United States, this would seem to fly in the face of that comment because unless I'm reading it wrong, it would essentially mean that you're, you're not a citizen of anything. Um, so I don't know, you know, a lot of the sovereign citizen stuff that they're pushing seems to be a little bit too far out on the, in the playground because, because the fact that the States can pass their own laws and regulations. And like, for example, look at this one, paragraph eight arms, right to keep and bear. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, but the General Assembly shall have power to prescribe the manner in which arms may be borne. The, the Constitution of the United States clearly says you cannot infringe on our rights to bear arms. But in the state of Georgia, now they don't do anything at the moment that, that infringes on our right to bear arms, but they kept that in there, which is again, is not in the constitution of the United States. The, the constitution of the United States clearly says you can't do anything to infringe on the right to bear arms here. It says, but the general assembly shall have the power to prescribe the manner in which they may be born. So there's obvious conflicts between a state's rights, uh, uh, your rights within a state and the rights you have under the federal government. And because the, the constitution of the United States is not what the state uses to set up its laws, it would appear that 
you would have to look at your individual state constitution before you could start claiming this uh, sovereign citizen and you know all of the other things that that people are running around talking about because it's not as simple or at least it doesn't appear to be as simple as what people are pretending that it is. Um, because again, these, these constitutions can be amended at any time. If the, if the Congress takes it upon themselves to do it, they could go tomorrow and come and throw this constitution out and come out with a completely different one. And, you know, I'm still looking into like what the process is in the state of Georgia for doing that. Uh, but and I believe that it actually has to be voted on by the citizens if if they if that's going to be done. But I'm not 100 percent sure on that yet. But it is something that if you're in a in a state, you ought to get your state constitution and learn and read it because that is what you're actually being judged by with all the laws and the and the treatment that you're getting in that particular state. 